today I really wanted to talk about something that I've noticed in conversation. And in this era now where we are dealing with, I suppose, the healing, the beginning of the healing from Trump era America and far right uprisings, which through that turmoil has come up right now with opportunities for us to explore ourselves, especially with the situation, (laughs) the situation. Yes, we're all alone or with the same people that we see all the time. But with our work, with the people that are signing our checks, there's a lot of space being given, being offered, sometimes taken to talk about racism. And one of the things that I wanted to really talk about today is a conversation that I had recently where a person was given the opportunity to have a conversation about microaggressions and what she's experienced in the workplace that has been racist, right? And she said, she didn't want to give all of it because it would break her line manager to hear everything. And that really struck me because right there, there is a deprioritization of the holder, of the victim of the racism, right? Make yourself smaller, don't make too much noise, don't tell them anything. That's the symptom of being in this environment for so long and witnessing our parents struggle in these environments and their parents and so on. These are survival mechanisms. But what was interesting is that she didn't feel that she could share her explicit experience and be heard without having a negative consequence by the listener. And in contrast, a European counterpart, what I mean by that is a white person, can feel free, I'm being general, could feel free to share exactly how they felt, right? Like they could just say it. They could just be like, listen, Brian in accounting keeps grabbing my ass. Okay. I'm saying it really flippantly. However, the amount of trauma felt by, let's say, a woman who isn't of color would not necessarily feel dangerous in terms of causing harm to the listener. But I totally can get with this conversation where you just don't want to give them everything because there's just a lot. And not only is there a lot when it comes to how racism makes us feel when we experience it, it's understood as part and parcel of being who you are and who you were born as. Yeah. So I say born to be. 
That was the pause. And the truth is, we are neglecting ourselves when we don't fully examine and give light to those hurt places that have come over time of experiences. Because once we let out a little bit of what's happened at work, there might be stuff there from further back than that. There might be a lot that's happened at work. It's hard to say because time, when it comes to emotions, isn't necessarily linear. And what we know from, you know, the wonderful book, Body Holds Score, um, is that time stands still when it comes to trauma, right? So if time is still every time we're traumatized around racism, racist events, racist attacks, microaggressions, even our own communities or other communities of color, their reactions towards us, which becomes internalized and possibly not addressed, and it just sits there festering, that that opportunity to kind of open up and talk to a line manager about racial discrimination and abuse opens the floodgates to all of that unaddressed trauma sitting beneath those more recent experiences. And then that also means that there is a risk of sliding into a stereotype, right? So like, we all know the loud black girl is a stereotype. How many times I myself as a black woman, I've been called aggressive when I'm not being aggressive, I'm being assertive. And I'm I'm aware that there's like intersections with, with white women. And I'm saying this as like women of color as well as a black woman, but I can only speak from my experience. The, I only know my experience. And my experience is unique even to other black women because I recognize how I speak. I know I'm light-complected. I know that there are privileges in that. So I can't necessarily address all opinions of all people. These are uniquely mine. These are just my experiences. Um, But when I had this conversation, it just really brought up some questions for me around how do we begin to unravel what it means to heal now. Now that, you know, there's a new administration in the White House, there's a different situation happening in the United States, right? There is a pandemic. I don't know, I said it. But like, we are forced to connect in a way that doesn't necessarily bring race into every conversation, but race is in every conversation because of what happened when we did have the opportunity to interact or when those few moments that you pop out to go to the store and you're treated a little differently or you get stopped and searched or you get your bags checked in the supermarket. These things are your only times out right now. And in the summer, people were out 
and they were protesting. And for me personally, that was my first opportunity to grieve every experience of racism that I had had in my 46 years on the planet. And that isn't healed yet, I'm just not as triggered. And I say that to say that when the insurrection happened in the United States, you know, and there was such a difference in the, in the way that the individuals that went to the Capitol building were treated versus those who were protesting against the way black people are treated by the police in the United States. When there was such a huge difference, I was re-triggered. I was suddenly re-sensitized and feeling traumatized again because there's so much of it under the surface, right? And now as a psychotherapist, mainly dealing with people of color and LGBTQ people, human beings, what I can say is that we are souls having an experience, a short experience on this planet. We don't have a whole lot of time, right? And if that time is spent hypervigilant, suppressing a lot of pain, which possibly transforms into other feelings, that you have to hide it from only knowing what it's like to be dealt with based as a category, you know? That's all you know, right? Like, you only know what it's like to be seen as race and gender first and not as a soul. In this short space of time, how do you actualize who you really are? And that's kind of the point of this podcast, is to talk about authenticity in that environment. So this woman wants to be authentic to her line manager, right? She wants to say, it's not just this one small slice of the pie it's actually a bakery (laughs) it's a whole bakery girl i got cupcakes of racism i got cookies of racism it's not just a slice i'm showing you a slice of sweet potato pie right but that's not actually what it is and i've had to deprioritize all the inventory I just have to pretend that doesn't exist so that you feel comfortable and I stay in pain. Right? And I can see parallels, right? I mean, I could easily go off on tangents because I'm thinking about like, oh yeah, well, okay. That's a little bit like domestic abuse survivors. That's a little bit like possibly what it's like to be a white woman in the workplace or in certain social contexts where attractiveness or toxic femininity is prioritized. You know, there's intersections, but I'm only speaking about what I know because this is what I know, right? 
I know how to be me and I know what it is to be myself even though I've been called the n-word too many times since childhood So, what I can say is, by bringing light to that shadow, by allowing the pain to come out, to be able to cry, to be able to really feel how much it hurts to be treated differently, to have to deprioritize yourself, let alone deprioritize being the well having been deprioritized you just do it yourself they don't even have to bother doing it because you just do it for yourself you know that you will never have the same as someone else so you're going to maybe test the water with a little sleep you know, a little slice of pie. <laughs> Here's just a little tiny bit of what I'm going through, just to give you a little taste. And I'm just gonna hold back the rest of it. Okay, so this is the thing, this is the psychotherapy bit, right? Psychotherapy bit is that we look at all of it. That's my suggestion. And start to come to the conclusion that it's not your fault and start to really allow those wounds to be healed and allow light to be brought into those cracks where things have been buried so deep under so much and that's the bit once you start to see it and start to process it, start to understand it, start to recognize that it's not the victim's fault for being black, like you made a mistake, like you were a mistake, like you don't have a place, like you don't have a home, like this isn't your right to have space to be fully expressed as a human being. That space is your freedom. Not blaming the racist. Because there's so much conditioning. Like, once you start to look at it, like, once you start to listen carefully to just regular TV shows, you start to pay attention to films. Maybe not, like, now we're getting better, but, like, when you go back through the very recent history of film, when you start to see the tropes and you start to see the stereotypes playing over and over again, there's an acceptance that this is not your fault. It's an opportunity to open up new pathways in the mind for everyone towards acceptance. To see us as souls, as individual souls, not gender, not race, not creed, not religion, nothing. Just souls. Who is the soul in front of me? 
as a transpersonal psychotherapist, this is what we do. And I mean, that's so important, right? I remember being a child and like laying on the floor when I was really little and thinking about having a soul and thinking about how pure it was and how there were parts that were still untouched and unfettered by the experience of living. And the reason why I say that is because that's all this is. It's like things get tacked onto you and the clouds cover everything that is pure and true about each individual. It's rare that you get to see just the light of someone just come out, that pure light. And as a child, I recognized, I recognized that I had it and I could see it in other people. And I only articulated it to myself and that was coming from the environment of living in a Jewish neighborhood as a black family. Both my parents were black. Living in an affluent Jewish neighborhood in a racist city where I was constantly confronted by the N-word. If it wasn't towards me, it was towards a family member in front of me a lot. And the Jewish community is where I felt safe. I never had any problems. Probably, if I think about it, probably was stuff going on. But generally speaking, um, comparatively not as bad. I felt accepted. So I recognized that if I didn't look the way I did, someone else would treat me differently and better. And... I was in this body and in this color and in this society and nobody could see my light because they were too busy looking at the color. And so that was it. And once I knew, okay, I just need to be careful of those people who can't see that light. And then I would try and like, contort to figure out how do I get the same loving attention that my friends get who are white from people who clearly don't like black people and there came a whole period of my life of trying to figure out what do I need to do to be loved by the most amount of people it didn't work right And that's not that different from saying, okay, I've got this job, I've got respect, I've got somebody's ear, I want to tell them what it's really like for me, but I don't want to jeopardize that relationship in case they switch up on me. And that part is like, that's the tragedy. Because we're self-restricting. We're projecting this whole idea of like, what it is to be black anywhere and having to have a hypervigilance sense out like is it safe and that's something that maybe other races and other communities don't quite understand maybe the LGBTQ recognize it more maybe and so I get what I want to say is that the work is 
allowing that pain to be felt and seen and witnessed without it completely overtaking. Having the opportunity to integrate. Integrate these experiences. Understanding why we did what we did. What what caused the situation? How do we have self-compassion and compassion for others? Even the ones that hate us. Because frankly, if they knew better, they do better. And that's what I have to say today on my podcast. Apologies for the background noise. It's a windy day here in London. It's grey and melancholy. Good day to grieve these deep experiences and maybe heal from them.